So I'm Mike Indest, your host, and we are here first. Uh, is it the first show of 20? Yeah, it is. First show of 2021. I think I did a show with Theo uh, last year. So it's been a while, and we have with us today D.W. Dunphy. D.W., how are you? Oh, doing okay. How are you today? I'm good. I, I uh, listened to your record in its entirety this morning, and man, you knocked it out the park. So um, tell us about this record, man. I'm su- I'm super excited. It really inspired me. Okay, well, um, it's kind of a long story, but uh, in the in the summer of 2019, I'd say it was probably mid July. I recorded three different songs that I put out as an EP called Charm Offensive. They were, all all three of them were acoustic-based. And, um, you know, I I hadn't at that time really considered that it needed to be a full album, but I also didn't think it it felt complete necessarily. Um, But that was going into... um, into August 2019, and at that point, my father got very sick. Um, he actually had been dealing with uh, congestive heart situations uh, for for the previous year or so before that. But it got very, very bad. He couldn't breathe because the heart was was beating out of time, which was causing the lungs to uh, to fill up with fluid. So. Um, and all that culminated with his passing at the end of October 2019. Um, and really, October 2019 to October 2020, aside from the things that everyone else knows, including a worldwide pandemic and a lot of other terrible things that, that, that came from that, I, let's see... I lost four family members, all ages, not to COVID, but to uh, completely unrelated situations. Um, lost my job. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Just funny. Yeah, it was not a good year. Uh, so October 2020 passed, and it was just sort of like, all right. Uh, and, then, and then Thanksgiving passed, and Christmas passed. Um, all of which were very, very different because of the circumstances. I came to January, and I thought to myself, you know, what I need to do is I need to start looking at the things that, you know, that I've left uh, open-ended, the things that I have not completed, and I, I need to actually complete things. I need to actually commit to working on the house, working on myself, and that's when it came to me. I should also do something about uh, Charm Offensive, the EP. So I took it down from Bandcamp, and there are a couple songs that had been around for a little while, and some of those I retooled. There were some new recordings, and I, I just listened for ways that all the songs would work together in some cohesive manner that didn't sound like it was just um, me dealing with whatever I'm dealing with, you know, and it has some purpose to it. And so that's, that's really where we are now. I'm, you know, it's about 12 songs in length 
uh, some longer, some shorter. But uh, hopefully there is a through line in the thing that, that when you start it, when you finish it, feels like it feels like a unit. It doesn't feel like I tacked on more songs to a pre-existing EP. I, yeah, it's very cohesive. Um, it's totally very cohesive uh, and a great listen from start to finish. Uh, one of those albums where when I was done, I was like, oh man, that's it. So um, it, there was, it was just a powerful, powerful songs, all 12 songs all the way through. It's, it's fantastic. Um, so you did some videos for a few of the singles or are those just, were, are those singles or are those just songs you felt would do, uh, would be nice to have some videos for? Um, there's singles, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, ho- hopefully people, once they hear this, will uh, check them out. They're on YouTube. Uh, a, a few lyric uh, singles, and the the earlier version of Ocean Floor is on there. Uh, that that was released as a single several years ago, but that's one of the songs that I was never quite happy with. Uh, in part because the first first half of it, there was a vocal uh, issue that every time I heard it, it kind of made me cringe. I would hear it, hear it, and it's like, oh, there's where I hit that bum note, <laughs> and it, that bothered me. Then in the second half, when we have there's this long instrumental break, uh, which Jeff Elbow has said, oh, so you're into thrash metal now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, in that second one, it it felt like it needed more oomph. It like there was. There was holes in the in the soundstage, so there was a lot going on, but nothing was jumping out to shake the listener. So that again is one of those things where I saw loose ends and I said, you know, I need to fix the bum note or or take you know edit that section out. I need to do something with that back half so that. It, it doesn't feel like a tack on that. It feels like there is a reason for that being there, that the energy that's come from the second half has some relationship to the first half. And, and yeah, so it, again, follows that theme of, of fixing the broken stuff or the half done stuff or whatever from the past and, and bringing it in into this new grouping. Excellent. Um, yeah, I, I know it, it's when you're the artist and you're listening and you, you can maybe hear bum notes, but I, I remember when I was watching the video, that never popped out <laughs> to me. So sometimes <laughs> sometimes other people may never hear those those things that we're hearing, you know. Cause I, I had the same thing happen to one of my songs, and nobody, like, what are you talking? Like, oh, yeah, I hear it now that you pointed out to me. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, I, did, I, I definitely I mean, didn't really- that's really one of the big problems when you are a a musician, b you're a musician who is kind of doing everything on your own. Is that you? You will hear all your mistakes. Everyone says, "Oh, this is great. This is good. You did an awesome job," and you listen to it, and all you hear are the 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 beats you didn't hit or the. Uh, the notes where you dragged your finger a little too hard on the string and it buzzed, you had a fret buzz that you didn't want there or, 
or or your vocal goes slightly off. Everyone else, you know, is listening to it for the song. You are listening to it as, I hate to say this, but almost like a disappointed father, because right. it's like, oh, you could have done so much better on that. Why, why'd you do that? What's wrong with you, boy? You know, that kind of thing. Totally. No, I, I get it. Um, so you said you started finishing this up January of this year? Yeah. Wow, all right. So a lot of it came came together pretty fast, but again, you know, some of it's pre-existing material, and I, um, you know, there, some of those songs, I, I thought there was good in them. I just didn't think that I gave everything that, they needed to have in the first go around, so um, so I did so this time, and hopefully people will will respond to it. Excellent. Well, how are you getting the the message out there that you have a new record out? Um, I yeah, a couple of things. First off, you know, as we mentioned, I have a few um, lyric videos out there. Um, hopefully, you know, put up links to them on YouTube and people can find them. Um, I, I have been sending them out to different magazines, different websites, and hopefully there will, there will be a response to that. And also I, I put together an advertisement, um, or I am in the process of doing so with someone, um, I'm working on with on Fiverr. I'm actually waiting for a response to uh, see where we stand on on the construction of that. Hopefully, once once that's together, I can start putting that up um, on different social media sites, and hopefully, there are other sites that might host the video. Um, we'll see. You know, it comes out May fifth or May. Oh, holy cow! <laughs> it comes out March fifth. Okay. Uh, so hopefully I can get some of these uh, promotional materials out there uh, before March 5th so people will, will know that it's coming. So you say it's coming out. I mean, are you gonna, is that going to be everywhere, Spotify and uh, Deezer and Bandcamp? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, um, it's going out through a couple of things. It's going out through Bandcamp. But it's also been uh, sent out through TuneCore, and that will all hit on March 5th uh, at the same time. And, uh, yeah, that's also some, something that's going to be noted in the promotional video. You know, if, if all goes well, they'll have the different logos of, the, of some of the major streaming services where it could be found. Gotcha. Well, let me ask you this. And um, where, you know, with Bandcamp, I know since the pandemic started, they've had maybe even before, but I know it's been a kind of a big deal during the pandemic with the uh, Fridays where Bandcamp doesn't take any of their their percentage and a lot of bands are doing that. And I know there's a lot of bands that I like. They're only on sites like Bandcamp. They don't use Spotify or anything like that. Um, where do you find that you get your most listeners from? I find that it, it it definitely comes from Bandcamp. Really? Okay. Because there, there are a couple of reasons for it. One, 
I don't really know the, the full uh, metrics that are coming from the other places because Bandcamp has a very robust system where you can find out who is buying or whether it's being bought. You can track, um, you know, how well songs are doing. You know, they, they, they really give you a lot of detail so you can know how you're doing, whereas um, I find with, with Spotify... And Apple Music and Amazon Music, things like that. You'll get some information, but it, it I wouldn't say it's incomplete, but it certainly isn't something that you can uh, look to and go, yeah, there, there's real activity there. Sometimes the reporting is a little late, and it, it, it's not as as full as Bandcamp's is, but I. I think that it is important that if you're going to put it out into the world, you have to be everywhere you can be. If, if you're going to put it out, um, I think Bandcamp is great, but it, it's one of many different venues. It, it's primarily a way where people can buy albums. If people are only interested in a, interested in a couple songs, they're probably committed to the streaming model, in which case they're going to go with Spotify. Spotify is the biggest dog in the yard where that's concerned. So you, even though I like Bandcamp a lot, I have to also be on Spotify because of that. So right. we do that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's also like with Bandcamp, you can collect email addresses. And with Spotify, you know, I was telling you before we started this, I'm doing a Spotify campaign right now. You get... I didn't get any, well, I got one, you know, new follower, but I got a lot of saves, but that doesn't really mean anything. That just means they listen to something on a playlist and save the song, but they really have no idea about anything else I've done. Whereas on Bandcamp, you're the, you're, once they go to your site, you're the only game in town at that point, you know, so they're listening to your stuff and they're hopefully providing their email address uh, when they're downloading your stuff. And then you can contact them directly when you have something new out or they're contacted automatically noise trade does the same thing um so there's definitely some differences there and you know i know some people just for the principle of the the minuscule amount of money that you get paid through streaming services aren't doing that at all you know how many songs does it take uh to to make ten dollars on spotify well it takes a lot uh whereas Bandcamp, you can sell an album and you're done yeah, it, it takes an awful lot. I, you know, I, I kind of keep tabs on some of the uh, bigger acts that are out there, and occasionally they'll put up something on on YouTube or on social media describing their their royalty rates from their big hit and what that actually means coming from uh, Spotify streams, and you know they'll they'll say some name of some song that is is worldwide known. You know, it, it, it's ubiquitous all over the world. And they earn 38 bucks off of streams. Oh, wow. And, you know, you're talking about millions and millions of streams, and it's just like, oh, 38 bucks. That's, uh, that sounds fair, now don't it? Yeah. Um, but, but again, you know, I, at this stage of my life, I don't think that I'm going to be able to have the capital C career in music. Uh, it's more a question of, you know, I, I do music because I feel compelled to do it. I enjoy doing it. And again, with this project, 
um, it was a case uh, of sort of reclaiming songs that I didn't think I did justice with the first time or or a project I didn't feel like I brought to full completion uh, the first time. So for me, it's it's more about just having people hear it because, um, you know, we, we live in a reality right now where music is like air. You know, music, music is easily heard all over the place. You know, it, there's a million and one subgenres of every subgenre, and you you've got to be a a very very huge extrovert to break out of such a crowd. <laughs> so so long story short, I I just want people to hear it and respond to it. I don't think that I'm ever going to to make any money off of it. I think that a lot of the songs are maybe a little too personal for people to be like, okay, well, you know, that's my new favorite song. Well, maybe, maybe not. I just hope that they appreciate it and enjoy it. And, you know, I hope it gets heard. People put these things together. They create songs. They make albums. And they want them to be heard. I think people who are at least, you know, who care about that, you know, there's some people that are just in it for the money. There's always going to be some of those who are, are willing to just jump at any trend to stay in that churn. But for the most part, I think, you know, I'm thinking about people like you. I'm thinking about uh, Sean Stefferson with, uh, you know, Ann Howe and, and, and these different projects that, that, sort of are in our circle. Uh, nobody's getting rich off of this. We, we just want to... We, we want a legitimate shot at being heard. And, and I think that, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, no, well, I'm, I'm glad you're still doing it because, like I said, that this record inspired me because it's... Uh... It's fantastic, you know. It's it's uh, you definitely haven't lost any passion at all. It's it's a very passionate uh, album, you know. It's uh, it, it it's fantastic. It's I, I don't know, you know. I mentioned earlier, you know, maybe some the first listen was like uh, like a Pedro the Lion's control the energy of that with you know the Moody Blues or something. Uh, but you really do have to give it a listen. There's some your harmonies are exquisite. Uh, they're they're just spot on. So there's that's kind of like the, uh, the the thing that always draws me in is good good songwriting and then some really good arrangements, particularly with harmonies. And you nailed all of that uh, on this record. So it's coming out in March, and um, it's going to be for sale on Bandcamp. People can stream it, and there's some videos of uh, what four of the songs on YouTube right now that people can watch just to get a taste of it. Yep, they're uh, on my channel, um, and I I probably can provide a link to that. But uh, we're on my channel, and uh, of course, uh, the, you can find me on on Facebook, and and I'll have the videos coming through on Facebook as well. Let me let's talk about that for a second, if you don't mind. So I'm not on Facebook. I haven't been for years, and. I'm doing a, a project with uh, Theo Oberstoff, um, uh, uh, like a radio drama or audio drama, I guess is the proper term now. 
And uh, he's not on Facebook either. Do you find that it's necessary for marketing purposes? Um, I've, I've heard mixed reviews from people that are on there trying to push uh, records or anything else they're doing. It seems like Facebook maybe has something going on to where if you're trying to push something or sell something, uh, they kind of hide it because maybe they, they want you to pay for it. Have you found that to be the case? Um, to some extent, yes, but I've found that to be the case with just about any um, social media outlet. You, you're, you're going to be limited automatically because they make their money off of ad revenue and they want you to buy an ad. They don't really want you to... Uh, to use the tools in a sales manner unless they're going to be able to get their cut in, in some small way. But that that's the same with Twitter. Um, I, I think that there there's very much an anti-sales vibe over at, at LinkedIn. It's very much, you know, about, you know, person-to-person job acquisition, things like that. So that's a different venue altogether. Um, Being on Facebook is difficult because we're at this weird time in in our country and in the world where uh, if there is nothing to fight about, we will create something to fight about. Mm Mm-hmm. And I I fully understand why people have gotten off of Facebook for that. Um, But then again, I see it on Twitter. I see it everywhere. Um, So to your your, uh, earlier point, do I feel like it's something where people should be? The unfortunate answer is yes. Because like I said before, about being on Spotify and being on uh, Amazon Music and Apple Music, even though I know I'm not going to get big gains out of them, um, being there is more effective than not being there. Um, so, so a lot of it, at least with social media, it's putting out your message but not getting sucked into some of the drama that goes on because there will be something that you don't want to hear Regardless of what your your personal politics or religion uh, is, there will be something you don't want to hear, uh, or something that you will say that someone else won't want to hear. Right. Uh, you really have to focus on. I'm here to promote my music. I'm not here to have have deep, meaningful conversations with people who don't want to have deep, meaningful conversations. Um, so. I think we've discussed this in the past, but, you know, I'll I'll bring it back up again. When it comes to, if if you're promoting your music, way back in, let's say, the 1970s, if you didn't have it on a vinyl record, the radio stations weren't going to play it and people weren't going to pay attention to you. Uh, Come into the 80s, uh, if you didn't have like mass market produced cassettes uh if you put things all out on you know on Maxell blanks or something like that people had a different impression of you because it didn't feel like you went the legitimate route same thing when you get into the 1990s with CDs 
and then with uh, digital files. But at each step, it wasn't like you could stop the stuff you had before. It's like something else you had to add to your your outreach just to stay at level. So unfortunately, I think we're kind of in a time where you have to be on the different streaming sites. You have to put your message out on social media. You have to be available wherever people are, regardless of whether you're getting the biggest or the least bang for your buck, because people expect it of you. If you are just focusing on one uh, arena of, of promotion, then it's not like you're missing out on a potential audience, but the audience you already have will question, well, why didn't you do more with it? So, so I mean, it's a, it's a real catch-22. It's, it's like, I know this one isn't going to give me what I need, but I kind of have to be there because that's how you do it. Right. You have to have the full, the full spectrum of, of, of your promotional toolbox. Or, um, you know, even if it doesn't give you everything you need, people will question, you know, why didn't you promote harder? Why didn't you... Go here, go there. No, I and told you, yeah. people will ask that question more now because you can't go out and play live. So without that live component, people will wonder, well, all right, so all of that was taken out of your hands. Why didn't you do this? Right. Why didn't you do that? And so, uh, necessary evil. You've got you've to be where eyes and ears are even even though you don't feel like it might be as as effective as you hope it would be. Right. Well, I agree with you 100%. Um let's talk about equipment. Um did you upgrade your studio for this project or what do you, what always I'm always interested in how people are recording these days. What what's your basic setup? <laughs> Oddly enough, it's the same that I've been using for the past 10 years. It's just that um, the approach that I've been taking with it has been uh, a little bit different, where prior to the past couple of years, I, I throw everything on at, at equal levels and all. Now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of approaching things with, with a more layered uh, idea of it, where it's like, yeah, you can put... One guitar line, you don't have to put a hundred guitar lines, but you do have to double, sometimes triple up to fatten out your sound. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean recording everything at full on, you know, hundred percent volume or whatever. You know, there's a lot of of very, very low level guitar tones that you're laying on top of each other to build that up. It's the same with harmonies. It takes a long time. Um, because I do not have the equipment where I can do digital harmony stacking or things like that. And, I, and frankly, I don't think I would, would want to, because, again, because I am more critical of, of hearing my stuff than maybe other people do, um, when I listen to music and I hear digital um, harmonies, I can tell. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something there's something very artificial and 
and negatively crispy. You know, it, it's too sharp. It's too clean, uh, and it doesn't it doesn't sound real. It's the uncanny valley where it, it kind of sounds human, but it kind of sounds like a robot at the same time. So, so how how do you beat that? You beat that by committing a full day in front of your microphone and just recording a part over and over and over again at different harmony, uh, you know, different octaves. Uh, and and having giving yourself the permission to delete one that doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was another thing that, that in previous years kind of hamstrung me because there would be times where I would record a part of a track and I'd commit hours to it. And at the end, it didn't sound good, so I, I would do this and that to try to make it sound better. When it was inherently in the recording process, I now I'm sort of at the point where I'm like, okay, it doesn't sound good. I don't want to, but I have to delete that, start from scratch. It's going to take another two hours, but if you want it, out there and you don't want to be cringing when you hear it, it's what you got to do. So, um, I, I guess renewed commitment is, is what I'm bringing to my process because I can't afford to buy any new equipment. Right. I, I, I will say the one, the one new piece of equipment that I have is I would say about two years ago, Sean Severson gifted me a, a guitar. Oh, nice. So that 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 is the one new piece of kit that I have. I would like to get a few new pedals, but right now, uh, you know, I'm, I I am presently without a day job, so kind of, kind of the, those frivolous expenses are going to have to wait. Totally understand. So you you're recording on a computer. Um, do you have like for strings and stuff, are you playing those off of like a synthesizer and recording the audio or do you do MIDI stuff or how do, how do you approach that? Well, for this, uh, I, I used to have a MIDI set up, um, but the computer that I was using as the interface, that went away. So I haven't been able to really get back to MIDI. So a lot of the keyboard stuff is, again, it's just layering two or three different sounds, sometimes five different sounds, all playing the same keys, but you're getting that stack of different uh, sounds so you have a fuller tone as opposed to just having a preset that you're running through and it sounds like a preset because you don't have the weight of the bass line mm-hmm. uh, of that, that keynote or you don't have the... Uh, you know, sort of the ethereal quality of having one of the higher notes. So, so yeah, you have to stack them up and, and uh, try to make sure that your balances are are correct. You know, I, I think that's another thing that, that when you are doing a lot of different um, stacking of vocals or of keyboard notes or of uh, guitar notes, it's really about making sure that you have mixed it right. 
You know, what is the note that you want to stand out? What do you want to be the support notes, the ghost notes? Uh, well, you better make sure that you're, you're not having everything at the same volume competing with each other. You've got to really think about what is the note you want people to hear and what notes do you want to support that one. Right. So there's a little more thought that needs to go into it. So... Um... Do you you have a drum set? Are you are like I'm just trying to envision in my head your recording setup. Do you have like a you know drum set you got mic'd up and you rock along with that, or how do you approach uh, the drums? The beats are loops, so those are drum loops. So you, at which people can go to different um, websites and you can get little, you know, may, maybe a bar. Uh, of a drum loop, uh, and then you, you can put them together, chain them together um, in, in whatever recording you have. So, I, you know, I have a fairly old digital audio workstation, and you take, you make sure that your BPM is, is consistent across the different um, loops that you've purchased, uh, and, and then you sort of chain them together to make sure that you um, are staying on tempo, and it doesn't have this weird juxtaposition where you go from, you know, super fast to super slow, but you know that you haven't you haven't hit the BPM change correctly. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that you know a lot of metal bands like to do that because you know you have that that speed section and then you have the slow drop where right. you want to bring the the mosh pit over, but you know that's really not my thing right right uh if you want to be consistent you got to make sure that if you go to a a slower tempo it better be consistent or half of your faster tempo so you're not throwing off the audience right long story short lots of loops lots and lots of loops gotcha well no i was just curious because this record sound you know i'm always curious to see what people are using and you know, I don't even record with a computer really anymore. I'm recording this interview on a portable digital recorder. You mentioned Sean Severson from Ann Howe. He has a Tascam Porta Studio. Uh, so I was just curious to see if, if you, you know, moved in a different direction um, with your recording. Or do you do you want to move in a di- different direction? What, what are your thoughts on people not doing, uh, what are your thoughts on you not doing computer-based recording anymore? Um, if I had the ability to record things like super old school on, on like a four track or an eight track with a, with a cassette, I think, I think I had a lot of fun when I started doing it that way. Mm Um, it's, it's. It's not convenient necessarily, and it's and it's hard to make corrections on, on those things. But when, when it comes to being spontaneous, if you have an idea, all right, well, you don't have to drag out a bunch of microphones, and you don't have to really think about all that stuff. You just one microphone, the cassettes in the recorder. You press the right buttons, and you go and then you can sort of build off of that. I miss that. Um, but I will say that still recording off of a computer 
or recording on a computer, as it were. Um, I could do more with the files, whereas if I'm doing it on cassette, I would have to transfer that to right. digital, so that's an extra step. Would I want to, like, really upgrade? I mean, the actual guts of the system I'm using still works for me. If anything, I'd love to upgrade my pedal board to get me a little more out of that. I'd like to be able to uh, finally get the computer with the FireWire connection back up so I can do more with the MIDI control mm -hmm. uh, on the keyboard. Um, so, so it's more instrument-based instrument than recording-based as to what I'd like to build back up. The actual gear of recording, you know, I, I've used it for so many years that there's a comfort level that I don't know if I would want to go through the trouble of trying to learn a new system when I know that the older system is, is still workable. Sure. Totally understand that. Well, we're running out of time here. So, um, as always, it's been uh, a pleasure. So, um, tell people where they can find, uh, the new album when it comes out in March, but also, uh, where they can find your previous recordings as well. Um, well, you can find the, the new album and the previous album. Just, you know, go to Bandcamp and look up D.W. Dunphy. Uh, that'll take you to my, my page and, you can pre-order the new album, which is Charm Offensive, uh, you know, the actual album uh, there. You can, you can do a pre-order, and you can find the older stuff. If you want to find my other recordings, uh, again, I'm streaming just about everywhere. You can find me on Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, Apple. Just put in D.W. Dunphy in the search, and you will probably find something from me i'm all over the place excellent well thanks a bunch well i appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and uh again i appreciate uh you keeping up the the podcast it's great for creators and and musicians to have a place to talk about what they're doing i don't seek this out i swear to you it's just my job
do not feel justified I take this home Why?